and welcome to episode 20 of My Freelance Life, a new podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I'm Preston, and with me on the air, as always, each week is my friend Andy. Hey, Andy, how you doing? Hello, hello. Episode 20, man. Can you believe it? We're 20 in. Whoa. Yeah. That's that's crazy. <laughs> At what point do we stop calling it a new podcast, I guess? We'll, we'll have to decide on a number, but for now, oh, it's yeah. still a new podcast. And if you've listened to the show before, you know by now that Andy recently quit his job to start working for himself. And this show is a weekly check-in between me and Andy to see what really happens when you decide to start freelancing full-time. It's been a ride so far. We're 20 episodes in, and there's a lot more to discover. You'll find show notes for this episode and all other episodes at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. Today's episode is sponsored by .tech domains. Finding a short, memorable, and creative domain is no longer a hassle with the .tech domain extension. In fact, .tech is short, easy to remember, and it's one of the hottest new trends among big and small brands around the world. For example, CES, the world-famous consumer electronics show, recently moved from .org to .tech to give their brand that extra bit of relevance. Leading startups are using .tech too, raising millions in funding and building the future on .tech domains. If you're looking to start something of your own, use a .tech domain to create a strong brand. Save a whopping 90% on one-year and five-year registrations by visiting get.tech and using promo code MILLO. That's G-E-T dot T-E-C-H and promo code M-I-L-L-O. So uh, let's let's dive into today's conversation, Andy. It's actually been two weeks since we spoke last. How have things been? Yeah, things have been good, I think, better than previous weeks. The last couple of episodes, uh, I I kept talking about how, well, I don't know if I'd, I, I know I was thinking it and feeling it and maybe it came out somewhat uh, that I was, I was struggling to, to get in the groove of things or whatever, or just to like sit down and work on some days. Right. Yeah. But the last, the yeah. last little bit has been, has been good. I finally like got back into a decent rhythm, I would say, and getting this one project that's been going on for so long that I've mentioned a handful of times. Um, I'm getting close. In fact, I think the last two episodes, probably I've said, Oh, this one's almost done. Oh, this one's almost done. But this time I feel like it actually is almost (laughs) done because I'm turning it over today to the client to do their, their final testing. And then it'll just be, you know, little changes and things. So I am doing well. The freelancing is, is doing better than it was before. And I'm looking forward to staying more on this, on this path now from now that I feel like, and yeah, I could ramble on about this, but that's how I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Good. And, and um, so I'm curious when you, when you finish a big project, is there like a sense of, uh, of, I mean, I'm sure there's a sense of accomplishment. Is it extremely satisfying or is it sort of in the back of your mind, you're kind of going, oh, this was, you know, a big source of revenue and now I have to find another big project to sort of fill in the gap or are there other emotions there when you finish a big project? Well, I think that I don't necessarily feel the second thing you mentioned, the like, oh, this one's done, but now I have to go look out for something else because oftentimes there's, I'm not worrying about finding something else. There's things coming up and I'm trying to hurry one project to get it done just so I can focus on the other ones that are that are left because because most of your client work is inbound through Upwork yes yeah 
So you're not like actively out there, like feeling like you have to spend a bunch of time doing, you know, biz dev or sales or whatever to get new projects. I haven't. No, not really. Not so far. Um, in fact, probably like, gosh, four or five, six episodes ago, maybe we even talked about, uh, maybe it wasn't that four or five, whatever. We, we talked about all these things I needed to do with my Upwork profile. I decided it would be really great. Like that you suggested like writing to my past clients who still had those open inactive contracts and, and close things up and, and, and kind of just do some optimization on my profile and whatever. And I haven't done any of that yet. Not because I don't um, think it's, it's valuable. I like, I have a whole list of all these things I'm going to do, but whenever I remember it or see it, I think, yeah, this is good. But before I do that, I should just finish up these, these projects that I have live right now. And, and it's not that I'm like, so inundated. It's just that I have enough projects that work for me so I can, you know, work the amount of time I need to. And it's, I haven't needed to go out and like aggressively look for new contracts. Yeah. It's such a fine balance. Cause like the time to look for new contracts isn't when you run out of contracts, right? It's like, it's like trying to foresee, yeah. but you also don't want to overbook yourself because you're not interested at least right now in like hiring people and building sort of more of an agency structure. You want to have sort of just enough work that you can stay busy and well-paid and then you can have free time for other things that you want to do. So I, I imagine it's a, it's a tough balance. Uh, I think I'm more on the side of overbooking, but well, I, at least I start to go down that road because I'm getting um, these invitations to, you know, check out my job proposal, whatever. And I see those and the projects sound really fun or I'm just really excited about the fact that, hey, they proactively came to me even when I have my oh, right. profile rate posted as such. And and so I get excited and I, I end up maybe spending more time replying to those than I should at the at the at the state in my, I don't know, workflow cycle or whatever, when I should be working on other projects. And then all of a sudden I'm spending time replying to what they've said to me or having a, like an initial consulting phone call with them or even taking on some of those clients. And so sometimes I start going down that road and then they all like pile up, but I realize I still am working on my previous projects actually. And so I have to say, uh, I can't actually do this now, which it's not like, that's an okay thing to do because that's during the interview process and everything. And it's not like I'm stringing them out for days on end right, or yeah. whatever. But anyway, that's, I feel like that's often how, well, I shouldn't say often. That is how things go sometimes though, where I, I tend to go down the overbooking side rather than the scrambling for some work to do side. I, I'm curious. Well, so I guess my friend um, Ian Paget. He is a co-host of uh, one of our other podcasts, which is called Side Gig. And uh, me and Ian and a friend of ours, Ryan, we talk about our experience as side hustlers and sort of building a business on the side of a nine to five job. Anyway, um, he is a logo designer. Ian is a logo designer. And he has really worked hard to get a ton of search traffic on his website. So, you know, if people search logo design UK or something, then he 
is the first in a lot of those kinds of searches. And and so he gets tons of inquiries. And he got to the point where uh, he he made one hire, a part-time hire, and it's not to do any design work or anything like that. It's strictly to like manage the process of like filtering through emails, calling clients, getting them set up. And then his, the person he hired like gets it all set up so that he can just focus on logo work. I guess, I don't know how that would work or wouldn't work on Upwork, but would you foresee that ever being like helpful for you if someone like talked with the clients and then decided if it was a good fit for you or not and then ultimately booked it and just you just had like a calendar of projects and you didn't have to sort of do that initial thing? Or do you really enjoy that initial conversation with the client? That's a really great question. Uh, first of all, I do actually really enjoy that, that stage of things because it's like... Um, when I read through these job postings, it's like I'm getting a list of puzzles. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, oh, can I solve oh, that's that? That's cool. I'm like, oh, I, and then I'll start like trying to solve it in my mind or looking things up or whatever. And I think I also like the. Sometimes it can it can be tedious, but I I like the the salesmanship of it, where I have mm-hmm. to you know write back and be like, here I can do this, and let me prove it to you why you should pick me. I do enjoy that. I can see where there would be a time when when maybe I would want help with that, but this is me being, you know, wanting to be in control of too many things and like not let go of, you know, being (laughs) perfectionist or or arrogant or whatever it is. But I would, with like the Upwork setup, I would struggle to, um, to hand that over to someone else because I feel like the way I do things is like what makes my offering what right. it is is my my take on things my spin on things my personality my i don't know way that i look at solving problems and helping people build these systems and and brainstorming with the client and all so and again this could be partially that it wouldn't work as well in this in my setup but it partially could just be me refusing to let go of something well, i think you I think you bring up a good point. I mean, there are some uh, disciplines that it makes a little more sense. Like when people come to Ian, he knows exactly what they're asking for, right? It's they want a logo design or sort of a branding package. But but then it comes down to like price and timeline and the company. And does he, you know, does he agree with, I guess, the company and all, all, all of that sort of thing. And there's all those kinds of questions, which I'm sure a lot of those, you know, you have as well, timeline, budget, that sort of thing. But, um, but there's the added element in your particular case where it's like they are trying to solve a particular problem. And and for all the logo designers, I know that logos also solve a particular problem. But for the most part, a logo solves the same problem for most companies, whereas they have a very specific like I can't get this very technical thing to work and I need a solution. Um, so I guess there is an added element there. I, I uh, and and yeah, sort of outsourcing that would require someone who knows as much as you do. And thinks the same way you do about uh, solving those problems. Yeah, I, I think that there are, you know, as you talk about it, I realized, you know, there's probably a way it could be done if it if it be if it got to the point where it would be helpful, even with somebody who didn't know. Because obviously, yeah, if someone knew the the things that I did and could offer those suggestions in the same way, that would be, you know, a, a great person to have in that position. But it could also be done otherwise if I were to just tell somebody, you know, if they ask about any of these things, 
then yes, we can do it. If they ask about any of these others, then yeah. you know, ask me first. And I think also if if it was a different format, say I was off Upwork or or a lot of my work was coming through like like Ian's the, some inbound traffic going to um, the website that you know that shows what services we offer and so on. At that point, I think it would make a lot of sense to have somebody. Well, not just at that point, but at that point, and also having a lot of um, clients that I couldn't handle myself, then it would make sense to have somebody to be that gatekeeper. But I think also just my and and maybe Ian does this as well. But I would I would want to set up as much of that to be automated as possible. No surprise there, and uh, that they would come <laughs> in. You know, there would be a lot of systems that would take care of their, that would help them like maybe build a, a price quote, a, a generator that could sit on the site and they could in, enter in some of the things, you know, do you need to connect to external APIs, check this box and it adds X amount of money. Do you need this to be customer facing or just internal and, and, you know, all these sorts of things. And then, you know, combine that with, and you probably know the names of these, I don't off the top of my head, those services that let you like, display your your calendar and then someone can check to like book a 30 minute call with you only when you're available yeah. and then it that sort of thing and then and then offer everyone you know a free 30 minute consultation call as long as that's you know stays worthwhile anyway like automate a bunch right, of systems yeah. like that and then maybe have one person who could just briefly look at those and see if it's just obviously something that would not be worth our time or that would be beyond what we could offer or something. Yeah. And, and I know what Ian does too, is he has a sort of a filtering process as well that he's, he's sort of coached his uh, assistant on and, and they also have like a pool of logo designers who are willing to take smaller paying jobs. And so they also pass off, those clients to the, to the smaller ones. Now I've talked to Ian about like sort of taking a percentage of that. And he said right now he's not doing that, but that may be something they do in the future or they sort of build like a more agency model where those design or like a collective better said, um, where, where sort of, you know, he takes a percentage for sending them, I guess like a finder's fee. Anyway, I think it could get pretty interesting. I'm, I'm with you. Like it, I've been, I've been back and forth a million times on, so we sell a ton of sponsorships at Milo, uh, not just on the podcasts, but other places. And um, it's so dynamic. Like the, I have set pricing for all the sponsorships, but you know, if, if we're struggling to book a fair amount of sponsors, like I'll, I'll give people a discount or, uh, you know, if, or a lot of times I, I, I think that happens more rare is more rare than, than, uh, than the following scenario, which is like someone wants a, a podcast sponsorship, but then they also want like this super custom, like uh, social thing to go along with it or whatever. And so I have to sort of figure out what, what the pricing should be on those things. And sometimes I'm just making those numbers up and figuring out, you know, my time and uh, we have a sponsorship manager, his time and like the time it'll take our team to sort of create content or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, all that to say it's very dynamic. And so I have a hard time I've wanted to for a long time, but can't figure out the best way to hire like a sponsorship salesperson because it's, it's not just like, well, here's the price, take it or leave it. There's always tons of back and forth on what, what the, the client needs and what we can offer. And we're constantly creating custom solutions and all that sort of thing. So it's really hard to just like hand that off to someone. 
Um, so I, I feel your pain. I don't know what the best solution is. You know, it's, it's partly, yes, I'm like you said, I want to be in control, but it's also like, it's really hard. There are some things that are super easy to outsource or, or to hire for. And there are other things that I, I'm, I don't know if I'm smart enough to like build processes around, you know? I think maybe it's, it's a struggle for where we are at in our company's life and, and size and everything, because mm. certainly, yeah. you know, I, I was thinking about this as you were talking about it. Like, certainly there are companies out there who have, you know, very dynamic and, and difficult oh, sales, yeah. you know, structures and whatever, but yet they still have a whole team of people doing it. So I was trying to think of, you know, what, what is, is it just that we haven't spent enough time to, cause like in your head, you have these rules that, that you're following, you know, somewhat that, that tell you like how to decide what a price should be on this. And, and maybe what it is is that we just haven't done it long enough to be able to codify those, those rules. But essentially whenever you could Mm. codify them, even if you could, even if certain steps were, you know, open to interpretation, you know, this means this, this means this, this section, like you can decide based on what they're asking between, you know, 100 and 400 to add to the, the, the quote or whatever. Maybe that's it is that just either we haven't spent enough time talking about that for each of like, or not talking about it, but like thinking about it. And maybe if we really sat down you for your business and me for mine, that we could find a way to like encode right. that into either a programmable or, or teachable workflow, but it's hard to do at this stage I think because you haven't seen all the different variables and and types of things that come through. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and and it's constantly changing. Like I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really it's been really interesting to try to do that because I've probably for a year now I've been trying to find how that could work, and every time I get close, it's like uh, it's not going to work out. Um, but but setting up setting up systems for something so dynamic just has really got me stumped. But you, but you bring up a good point. Like we're just both so early. I just can't, I can't hire like someone for, you know, 60 grand a year or something and have them just be full time solving these kinds of problems. Cause obviously there are smart enough people. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the best salesman. I'm not the best negotiator. Like there are people far more talented than me that could do it. Question is like, how do I find them? how do I hand over this messy thing that you're right? I haven't like established systems around and that's on me to, to like to, to build a bit more of a, of a system that can be followed um, and then improved on by someone who's talented. And then on top of all that, how do I find someone who's talented enough, but who is willing to work like maybe part time, um, which has also Mm -hmm. been a struggle for me. Yeah. That's a good point you made in there too, that, find someone who can do all these things and you write the system, but then acknowledging that they're going to improve on it. And, yeah. and, and so it, it can be an iterative system and, and uh, that you, you don't have to solve for all the variables now as they come up later, then you can, you know, you can add something to the, or they can add something to the system that says, Oh, when this happens, we're going to do yeah. it this way. Yeah, well, I guess if anyone's listening who is good at sales and enjoys negotiating and selling and wants to work part-time with our team at Milo selling sponsorships and working with sponsors, 
we have systems for basically everything else in the business. It's a great little team we work on, uh, all freelancers and contractors. But I just can't solve that one problem. So anyway, I didn't mean to make this about me. I appreciate your your input on oh, it. It was and, interesting. And, um, so t- yeah. so it, if you're interested, talk to you. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, email me. <laughs> Preston at M-I-L-L-O dot C-O. Or you can hit me on Twitter at PrestonDLee.com. Uh, well, I mean at PrestonDLee, not dot com. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me. Those are all the ways you can get a hold of me. Anyway, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit more about you, Andy. So, um, yeah, so fun. I remember last episode. Last episode, Andy, we talked about. Uh, I, so I have in my notes. Ask Andy what he decided, <laughs> and oh, I'm shoot. trying to remember. There was like, <laughs> do you remember? There was like a client uh, who wanted. I think. <gasps> yes, I, think I it remember. Was like they wanted a, a discount on the work or something like that. Remind yes. me. Remind me what my notes are about. Okay. Yeah. I, I had no idea what you were talking about at first, but now I remember. Um, so it was a client I had, I still have my, you know, high rate that I put up there and haven't really done too much with cause I've been working on past right. projects. Anyway, at the, the client came in, talked, we had a great, you know, connection. We were, you know, starting to talk about the ways that this, that the system could be built. And then they said, I have a, an offer from someone else and it was like half of what I had had put in. And he's like, can you do it at this point? And I don't remember where we were at exactly last time we talked, but basically um, I counter offered to meet in the middle and I was like, can we do it here? And he, and he said, no, actually like what I said, the the previous amount that that's as yeah, high as we can go. Yeah, yeah, so okay. then I was, and it was while talking to you actually on, on the episode that I realized like, yeah, I should just like it, it will be a, like a whatever way, even though I thought, you know, some ways I look at this, it's not going to be beneficial. Maybe like I realized that probably all of the ways it would be better than, than not having it. And so I wrote to him and told him that I said, Hey, uh, you know, let's do this. And then, but we've had a couple like, back and forth where I was, I, I didn't reply for a couple of days and he didn't reply for a couple of days or whatever, or no, maybe it's just that for, I don't know. That's not important. Anyway, we are going to have a chat today actually. So good timing. Um, he's been gone for the last week or so. And so he said, We're, let's have a call to go over these things so you can understand it better. And today is the day. So in, you know, four hours, I'll know more about that project, but oh, nice. that, that I did decide to, since this is the, you know, the meat of the topic for what we're interested in, um, I did decide to go with it simply because I realized that it's higher than any of the other projects except a couple outliers. And so it would actually be beneficial, even though I thought, oh, it's well, and this was thanks in, you know, thanks to you during our last conversation for, for bringing this up, but even though it's less than my current posted rate and I was afraid that would make it look, you know, poorly or whatever. The fact that it's higher than all my other ones is still going to be a a net positive. Yeah. I, I just, I think there's so many freelancers who, um, and I, I don't think this about you in the slightest, but, but working, you know, at Milo for so long, 
you know, I've been building Milo under different names since 2009. And so I've been working with freelancers or having conversation with freelancers for a long time. And there's always this like, don't lower your rates. Don't take discounts. Like, I'll, like, and, and I understand where that's coming from, but I, but that feedback always is given, or I would say 99% of the time is given by freelancers who are, are very well established and who mm-hmm. um, have been doing this for years and they have a steady client flow or they have recurring clients or something and they're comfortable and they're set, you know, in terms of their freelancing. And they're giving this advice to like these freelancers who are less than a year into it. And, and they're like, you know, someone contacted me and, and they want me to do it for $50, but I charge a hundred dollars. And, and then everyone's like, don't do it. And, and I'm always like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. <laughs> there's, there's like so much more to the story here. You know, so I appreciate that we were able to dive into into this story of yours, and and ultimately, um, I, you know, I I think I think you came up with the right decision. Obviously, time will tell, but um, but for me, it's like, well, look, you know, will that fifty dollars keep you in business for another week? That fifty dollar an hour job will that will that keep you in business for another week? As opposed to, you know, if you don't, maybe you don't have any other projects you're doing right now. Is it still really the smartest thing to just turn it down because they? want to pay you less. And particularly, I can understand the Upwork, you know, situation where your your rates are shown publicly, but particularly mm-hmm. where your other, your newer clients don't have any clue what your previous clients have paid. Like it doesn't even matter. So I guess I'm always uh, a fan of staying in business versus like <laughs> on principle, not ever reducing your rates. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I got think on my soapbox there for a minute. Sorry, <laughs> it was it was a good thing to be said. I I definitely agree with you that I think it has to, it can't, it has to be judged on a case by case basis. Not only like a freelancer by freelancer basis, but also within that freelancer's experience from client to client. And yeah. I think in general, it is smart to raise your rates, maybe higher than you think. But we might also have got to a point where people have suggested that so much that that's not a unique or, or it's not a, a new novel concept. And so people maybe, maybe we have shifted like the freelancer mindset to like, I don't know that, that we're already starting high enough or close to high enough or whatever. And so now we actually need to tell ah. people like, oh, okay, hold back, hold back. Maybe like, you know, you know, there's been enough things posted on online and on the, the, this online space has maybe matured enough that everyone's read one of those blog posts that says, and you know, this is very presumptuous, but everyone's read a, a blog post that says, whatever you're charging, add Double a zero it. to it or do, <laughs> yeah, add yeah. two zeros to it. Like whoever, you know, and of course everyone, there are plenty of people being born every day and they're coming into you know, their, their age where they're looking these things up. So not everyone has read it, of course, but even still, like maybe in some ways people are already starting with really high rates. And if you tell them, you know, double this or whatever, then maybe, I don't know, you can't just, you can't offer a blanket statement for everyone. And that's probably a good lesson for life. There are very few cases where you could ever do that, if any. So I definitely agree with you that, you know, don't just, don't just like dismiss it right away, but think about it. Maybe if it's that or nothing, then maybe that's, you know, going to keep you in business for a week or two. If it's that or maybe something else, well, you'll just have to weigh on the odds of getting something at the rate that you would like. And 
uh, too many things to go into it to offer one, one, you know, solution statement that will work for everybody with all of their potential clients. I mean, you and I had a great conversation last time that lasted a half hour before we were able to come to any sort of conclusion of what, and, and I still think you could have gone either way. I mean, clearly my notes, it says, what did you decide? So like, clearly we were a little bit on the fence still last episode. I should say you were. Even since then, there's been, um, I, I probably would have been just fine to have said no. And I've had some, some new proposals come through since then that will potentially pan out. Like it's, there's not necessarily that a need to have taken that. So yeah, it could have gone either way, but I'm also totally happy to be starting this project. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about the blanket statements. I just think that's really true. Like I see it happen all the time. You know, it's like people are like, Oh, I really hate this client. And then everyone, you know, will chime in and say, well, fire them or whatever. And, And I'm always like, Whoa, hold on. Uh, are they your only client? <laughs> how much of how much of the revenue they give you represents the revenue you make each month? And of course, it's not all about money. You have to be happy and enjoy what you do. But you know, at the end of the day, if you if you can't stay in business, you're going to have to go get another job. And is that what you want, or or would you rather have a client that you dislike for a few months while you find another client, or would you rather go back and get a desk job? And you know, to each his own. Yeah. Do whatever you want. But but those are the options. You know what I mean. And, and that's, and I feel like when you're giving that advice, that's what you're playing with. When you're telling people like, just fire that client or don't take that lower rate or whatever, you're really, you're really giving advice that impacts people's lives pretty dramatically in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point that it's, it, I hadn't really thought about how, you know, how significant these, these suggestions are. And maybe people aren't don't take it too seriously or whatever but when you whenever you have people that well this uh, this should not be a blanket statement either but when when people go <laughs> to extreme sometimes it it's just there to to shift the mean to adjust the average for example right, yeah. um, there's this I'm going to go on a little tangent here there's a travel writer named Rolf Potts he wrote the book Vagabonding. And a number of years back, I saw this little, um, oh, this this trip he did. And he was, you know, documenting it on social media, all this stuff. And it was called the Zero Baggage Challenge. And he went traveling for, I don't know, a handful of weeks. And he went around the world to a bunch of different countries. And he didn't take a bag with him. Oh, wow. He, he went, he was, it was... Um, in partnership with Scotty Vest, which makes these travel clothes that have pockets like hidden all throughout them and uh, designed for this sort of thing. Well, not exactly this sort of thing. Anyway, so he went traveling and he just carried like toiletries in these handful of pockets and some like some extra underwear and all this. And then he just washed clothes. I think maybe he even had a spare shirt and things and he would just wash his clothes, you know, periodically when he needed to. And he had his, he had like an iPad in a pocket, I think maybe an iPhone or whatever, and a little portable keyboard. Anyway, what I thought about as I was watching this, it was cool. It was fun to watch. It was a great challenge to, to undertake, but I don't think he was doing it to tell everybody, Hey, you should always travel like this. I think he was there going to an extreme to point out the fact that you don't need to take as much luggage as you are now. And if yeah. and if by showing someone that extreme, he can shift the mean towards being 
less bags or travel with one bag or whatever, then that, and I mean, the, the probably the main point of it was actually marketing for the clothing company. But <laughs> I was thinking that, you know, the point of it is to just show people that you don't have to do what you're doing now. You can be a little bit more this direction. Anyway, all this to say that maybe that's what's been happening is we've had all these blog posts, all these people talking about um, how you should double your rate, how you should 10x your rate, whatever. These are all wise. And and I I wouldn't discount them at all because a lot of times you can 10x your rate and still get clients. But if somebody 10x is their, like if someone has already shifted their mindset to a point where their baseline is now way up there, then maybe they're already at a good point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I guess maybe the advice is like, don't just take those kind of blanket statements as gospel truth uh, for your particular business. Like know, know your business well enough to know you know, is it worth taking this job? That's maybe the rate is 25% lower than what I'm used to, or, or is it, you know, is it worth whatever? I'm charging a little less to get more clients to get, to get a better portfolio so I can charge more later or there's, there's just like so many factors. So um, yeah, great conversation. I appreciate that. I think, I think we'll wrap this one up today. Uh, We'd love your thoughts. We're, We're getting into, I feel like more and more conversations where I would really love to hear from, the listeners of the show, what they think about, uh, you know, these topics that can be maybe a little bit more controversial or a little, or have a lot more discussion than we're able to do just between, you know, two guys in very isolated situations. So I'd love to hear, yeah. uh, you know, what, what you have to say. We're, we're on Twitter at Milo team. Um, we'd love to hear, you know, any feedback about this particular topic about, you know, these blanket statements in, in any regard, uh, you know, around freelancing and that sort of thing. So let us know what you think. Uh, you can also find show notes for, sorry, go ahead, Andy. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I definitely agree because I feel like a lot of people could come back at this and be like, well, no, actually here's the, the an alternative ah, view. And ah. I feel like there's a lot of valid things that could be said, you know, against this. And I'm not in hundred percent sold on what we've just said either. So right. I would love to hear, hear from people as well. Yeah, I'd love to hear from people who um, who have had the opposite experience and, and their business thrives because they refused to ever follow these, like to ever, I guess, offer lower rates or whatever. Yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone with any sort of experience in this in this kind of realm, I think is interesting for sure. Um, show notes for this episode. Thank you, Andy, for that. Show notes for this episode can be found at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. Along with show notes for all the other episodes, you can listen to all our previous 19 episodes there as well. And uh, as a reminder, support for this episode comes from Bonsai. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's the number one freelancing productivity suite in the world. That means if you want to get more done in less time, Bonsai is going to be a big help. Um, I, I love all of these sort of automated features. We talked a little bit about automation in this episode. We've talked about it in previous episodes, but automation can really save your business, especially if you're just one or two people. Um, it can really act as sort of an extra employee in a way helping you get a lot done in your freelancing. Uh, you can put it, you put your freelancing on autopilot is their tagline. You can do that today by visiting uh, freelancelifepodcast.com slash bonsai. You can try it free for 14 days, no credit card required. And as a reminder, Andy and I do get a little kickback if you decide to continue after those 14 days. So we really appreciate that. It, it supports this show. If you want to keep hearing more episodes and continue hearing about Andy's journey as a new freelancer, um, we'd really appreciate the support. You can go to freelancelifepodcast.com slash bonsai. 
This podcast is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us and listen to our other podcasts, which, by the way, we're launching a new podcast this fall. A little teaser there. I'll tell you more about it coming soon. But uh, you can learn all about our new podcast and all of our other podcasts at millo.co. The show was edited by Danny Gilman. Thanks, Danny. He's at echopodmedia.com. The theme music for the show is a song by Joaquin Carud called Road Trip, which I think is a lot of fun. And we will talk to you next time on episode 21 of My Freelance Life. We'll talk to you later. See ya.